When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast where I try and give you good mental health strategies to help you manage your mind so that you can manage your mental health. Just before we begin, if you want to listen to this podcast ad-free, just subscribe to my Patreon account. The link and details will be in the show notes. So it's ad-free and I have bonus content and I'm going to be putting in live Q&As. So it's another great platform where you can listen to me. And also, one more thing, this podcast is for educational purposes and is not medical advice. So if you need medical advice, please contact the appropriate medical professional. And now, on to today's podcast, which is all about... The mind and how what happens when we don't use our mind properly. This is from a bunch of questions I was asked recently by a couple of reporters and then just in general, the, the kind of questions that people ask me, like what is the mind and what happens when we don't use the mind properly? Now, I always talk about the mind on this show, and we know that the that you've heard me talk about the mind being separate from the brain, but that the mind shows up in the brain. The mind uses the brain. The mind needs the brain because the mind has to put what the mind is focusing on somewhere so that you can use all that information to show up as who you are. So the mind-brain-body interaction is absolutely vital. The mind shows up in the brain. The brain and body follow the pattern of the mind. And so that we have the experience, the mind processes it into the brain as a physical change, which is neuroplasticity, and then we show up in what we say, what we do, how we feel, how our body feels, our perspective, and so on. So that's your basic overview if you've never heard me before, or if you have heard me before, it's always good to hear these little summaries again. So I was asked, and the specific question was, what are the dangers of not using the mind correctly? So... Just that question is quite interesting because if you think of it, how are you using your mind when you are your mind? Okay, so your mind is you. It's your aliveness. It's your ability to think and feel and choose. So definition of mind, your aliveness, which enables you to experience life. And experiencing life means that you are thinking, feeling and choosing about life. And all that lands up in your brain. Your mind uses your brain to put all that experience in as this, as this change, as I've been saying. So how do you make sure that the way your mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing about life isn't, you, isn't going awry or going crazy or messy? Or if it is messy, how do you fix up that mess? So it's kind of like there's another part of mind that seems to manage the messy part of mind. And you may have heard me say this before as well. And we do have that. We have this inner, this inner mind, this inner wisdom, this non-conscious part of us that has all of our experience. But at the core of the non-conscious is this, this incredible that we, ability that we have as humans to instinctively kind of know what to do. I call it wired for love. I also call it our resilience factor. I call it the wise mind. There's this 
deep inside part of us that is always there, has always been there, but develops and grows as we go through life. So what we want to do to make sure that we don't have this messy mind all the time driving us, but that we catch the messy mind and fix it, is we need to tap into this inner resilience wise mind. So a lot of people talk about the wise mind, and and so I'm going to use that term. The wise mind is, as I've already said, this inner um, knowing in our knower, this inner inner wisdom, this inner think, feel, choose that is kind of is always on your side, always wanting the best for you, always trying to bring balance back into your life so that you have peace, that your body's in its healthiest state, that your mind is in its healthiest state. So this inner wisdom is always working to focus on the messy mind to tell the messy mind it's making a mess <laughs> and that there's a there's an impact of that messiness. So we can operate in these two states, but it takes a bit of practice and it's it's not that difficult, but we get better and better at it all the time. So what we want to do to manage our minds is to be able to step back into this this wise mind. So it's kind of like, and you've heard me say this before, so there is a little bit of refreshing of, of concepts here, but I think it's really important because it's, it's, it's pretty hard to understand sometimes. But we have this ability to stand back and observe ourselves. So just, you know, try this now. I'm now suddenly very aware of how I'm using my hands, how I'm smiling, how I am putting my words together, the tone of my voice, the speed, and so on. So that's kind of, I'm observing myself. When I go into, I just came out of a, a prep meeting, and I was very aware of how I was reacting to all the situations and whether I was reacting or responding because we were having a whole planning meeting and there was lots and lots to discuss and lots and lots of things and I was watching the impact of my words on others, my sentence structure, my body language because 50% of communication is nonverbal. I was also watching the interaction between the other people in the meeting and so on. So that is all observing yourself and the more you practice that, the more you actually tune in to this deep inner wise mind and then you can draw on that wisdom to help you look at the messiness which is so totally okay because messiness is how we get through every day the messiness tends to happen on a conscious level because we're consciously in life experiencing life in the moment and then that gets built into the brain as I've been saying and then goes into the non-conscious mind and get stabilized there over time, those cycles of 63 days, and then drives us. So what we want to do is, if, if, is, is tune into those. What are the things that are driving us that are very established habits, patterns, etc.? And what are the new things that are happening in the moment that are maybe triggering existing patterns? So sometimes we have a new experience and we react instead of responding, and we've never had that experience before, but it triggered something similar, so we react from that similarity. If we want to be healthier mentally and physically, one of the best things we can possibly do is get several hours of quality sleep every night. The brain and body heal itself when we sleep. It really is one of the most amazing processes, even if you're not conscious when it happens. But I know it's hard to get good quality sleep sometimes. Your mind keeps you awake, life is stressful, and there are often a hundred anxious reasons why you can't fall asleep at night. Thankfully, there are also ways we can improve our sleep quality and overall health, including taking magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough magnesium. No wonder so many people have sleep problems. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, 
they won't support better sleeping habits. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bio-Optimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash leaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 during checkout to save 10% on your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. So when we talk about managing the mind, we want to be able to be good at what I've just described. So when we aren't good at what what I've just described, that's when we can get into these cycles of overthinking, of ruminating, of overreacting, of getting, you know, very frustrated and irritated, you know, showing up, you know, getting like worked up about that. And then that impacts our emotions and how we feel in our relationships and our perspective and all kinds of stuff. So the, the way the question was asked to me, so that's kind of foundational. And now I'm going to sort of go into the little bit more depth about the questions. The first specific question around this, what happens when you don't regulate your mind properly is they said, what is the right and wrong way of using this machine of the mind that never runs, that just isn't running nonstop? So the first thing is to understand that the brain, the mind, is not a machine. It's it's way superior. The brain is more of a machine, but it's incredibly sophisticated and also not really a machine because it keeps changing. Structurally, it keeps changing moment by moment, and it's so complex. And its pattern, the brain's pattern, is dependent on the mind. Okay, so how the mind, so that's why they're so interrelated. So the mind's complex, the brain is complex. So both are much more than a machine. What's correct about that question is they do run nonstop. Okay, so while you're alive, your brain never stops. Okay, it's working 24-7 because your non-conscious mind is working 24-7 driving you, keeping you alive, cleaning up your brain when you're asleep and all those things and helping you during the day and it's part of the trying to balance and it's it's activated when the triggers come up and so on. The conscious mind, which is awake when you're awake, and the subconscious mind, which is between the conscious and the non-conscious, those two are only awake when you're awake. So conscious, subconscious, awake when you're awake, do a lot of work, very busy, very active, and tend to be quite messy. And that's why the in, in our conscious state, We need to learn to consciously look at our messiness, which is totally okay because it's kind of experimental. We don't know what's coming up. We're doing our best. And then tune into the wisdom of the non-conscious mind. Look at the drivers and the triggers and look at the wisdom of how could we do that better. Okay. So this is happening on a non-stop basis. So think of the mind then as an extremely, extremely fast quantum operates at speeds of 10 to the 27, which is faster than 400 billion actions per second. I know you've heard me say that before, but it's always amazing. I always amaze myself when I say that. It's a complex force that's driving the brain and the body. So if you did, there's no mind operating because nothing's happening in the brain and the body. So evidence of mind are the changes in the brain and the body. So therefore, if we don't manage mind, it's still changing the brain and the body, but in the wrong direction. And over time, that accumulates and manifests as mental health problems and physical problems and relationship problems and, you know, battling with life and all that stuff. Okay. So 
it runs, your mind runs 24-7. If it's unmanaged and messy, then this tends to make a mess in our brain and our body and we, and we show up as a mess. Okay, so, but this doesn't have to be a scary thing because you can actually train yourself, as I've been saying, to monitor. And that's everything I teach you is geared towards trying to help you self-regulate more, not become, I'm not teaching you to become self-preoccupied. That's just all about me, myself, and I and how I'm feeling. And that's not healthy at all. It's counterproductive. I'm teaching you how to be very almost clinical in observing how your conscious and subconscious are working to manage the day-to-day stuff based on our histories, our, our, um, our existing memories and so on, and how we're responding and carrying that through. And if it's effective, fantastic, grow it. If it's ineffective, Try and fix it because it's disrupting. Then the next question related to mind is something I've answered before, but I really want to answer it again because it relates to totally to this mind question. And it's about multitasking. Okay. And the question is, does the encouragement of multitasking and multi-connectedness as we see in our society contribute to mental exhaustion and later memory loss and even degenerative diseases? So I like the way the question was asked, which is why I wanted to discuss this with you. So first of all, does the encouragement of multitasking lead to problems like memory loss and degenerative diseases? And the answer is yes, if we don't manage it. And I'll talk more in detail. And then the other thing is, does the encouragement of multi-connectedness, so we're totally connected, does that make us you know, worse off, okay, in terms of our memory thinking, etc. Okay, so let's talk about the multitasking and then we'll talk about the multi-connectedness. First of all, multitasking, that if we, it's a myth. We can't actually do it. What we do is we if, we if we are functioning pretty well and we are managing, we are not actually multitasking. It'll feel like that because you're so brilliant. <laughs> your conscious mind can't keep up with your unconscious mind. But your conscious mind is just, you're just doing it, you're just doing stuff incredibly fast and incredibly efficiently. So you're doing, you know, you're working in these very finite conscious bits of activity. You this, 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 this. But there's a way you've got into a state where you're able, even if you haven't finished the task, you can get an open and a closure, open and a closure, open and a closure. And and that closure is I've closed at this point, I know where to come back. Open, close, that's finished. Open, close, that's finished. Open, Okay, close here, I need to come back. And so you go through the day. Multitasking is open, 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 open. Like sometimes how I work on my computer, which drives my team crazy, where I'm doing research and there's just stuff, a million things open on my computer, saved all over the place, and I really sometimes have a hard time finding stuff. But then I use my memory and I eventually find it. But that's not the most efficient way because it wastes time. Okay, and so basically it's not efficient, it's, it, it wastes time. So that's what multitasking does. And those people that think that they can multitask well, when you actually do the research, and there's research being done on this, it drops intelligence, drops memory. So it affects memory. You aren't as efficient in your memory as you think you are. Okay, and I've tested that because I've thought, oh, this way of opening up everything all over my computer in this multitasking way increases my efficiency. It doesn't because my memory actually drops. Like I forget what's open and what's closed and where I put it and where I saved it and I save things in the wrong place or whatever. And I have multiple versions of one document. So I've had to learn not to do that. And now I'm much more efficient and it's made a massive difference to my efficiency level. And that's the same. That's just an example. Where we do do something that's even beyond multitasking is on the non-conscious level. So as soon as something has been put into your non-conscious level as a habit, then we are doing that 
alongside conscious activities. So very often when I talk about multitasking, I'll get people saying things like, hey, I am doing my kids' homework with them. I'm cooking dinner. I'm talking to my husband. I'm solving a problem at work. I'm folding the washing. I am driving to work. I'm on a, on a business call. You know what I'm saying. And they're saying, but that's multitasking. If you're doing it well, it's not multitasking. You're just doing efficient. You're just working through things very efficiently. But if you feel all flustered and thrown out and it's not working and you feel overwhelmed, it's not. And your memory's dropping and all that stuff. You're not actually doing efficient, you, you kind of milkshake multitasking because no one can actually multitask on a conscious level. But once, but so, so what we need to understand here is that ability, for example, to drive and talk to have a business meeting or be talked, whatever, be on a, on a business call while you're driving, that you can do because the driving you've automatized. So you, so you've got a whole bunch of neural networks that's controlling that driving. So it's happening at the same time. Yes, you're driving. You didn't stop your car at that particular moment. You still carried on having this discussion. Not like this, hopefully. Hopefully it's, you know, it's connected to the speaker to in your phone, in your car. But then what may throw you is if someone's talking in the back or asks you another question unrelated to the conversation. And now that would demand you to shift from that business conversation, which is challenging you to the conversation in the back or the question you're being asked, and that would throw you off and maybe get frustrated or something. And then your efficiency of, of everything would drop, driving, the business call, and the question, because now you're trying to multitask, which we can't do. So efficiency drops off. And that's actually very damaging to the to the brain and the body and the mind. It creates, and it's dangerous in the, if you're in the car doing that. So the point here is that certain habits that we have, certain things that we do every day have become automatized. So around 90% plus of our day are, is driven by these thoughts inside of our, inside of our non-conscious brain and body that are driving our basic functions of the day. I am talking, and that's way beyond even multitasking. It's so fast. Okay. It's quantum speeds. I'm talking about when you're in this conscious, deliberate, intentional now moment where you're trying to solve a problem. And you're trying to help your child with their homework at the same time. You just can't do that efficiently. So you have to say, okay, little Johnny or whatever, I'm going to help you now. Let me quickly fix this. And then you do the business thing as much as you can. It's okay, I have to help my child. I'll phone you back. So you, it's that shifting between the two. Okay. Just another point that I've made over here is that on a conscious level, you, you're not supposed to pay attention to everything all the time. We can't consciously act on everything simultaneously. Consciously act. Non-consciously, we can have a whole bunch of stuff going on, okay? But consciously, we can't act on everything simultaneously. Our conscious mind is not made to multitask. Our non-conscious mind goes even way beyond multitasking. February is the month of love, and one of the best gifts you can give yourself is good health. But what health looks like for you may be completely different to what it looks like for someone else. There is no one-size-fits-all. This is why I love Noom which takes a different approach to health and eating. The program is driven by a singular mission, to help as many people as possible live healthier and happier lives through behavior change. They use the latest in proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. And through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching, their platform has helped millions of users meet their personal wellness goals. With Noom, I have learned so much about the relationship between what I eat and what I want in life, including how to better manage stress and mood through my food choices. I personally love that the program is so easy to use and empathic. Indeed, they don't believe in restricting what you can or can't eat. 
Instead, Noom gives you the knowledge and the wisdom you need to make informed choices that not only fit your lifestyle, but also help you reach your goals. An off day is totally okay and you won't send you off course because Noom gently helps you get back on track. Sign up for your trial and get psychology-based support and motivation to reach your goals at noom.com slash drleaf. That's noom.com slash drleaf to sign up for your trial. The link and details will be in the show notes. So our conscious mind is not made to multitask. It's meant to do one thing at a time because it's part of our mind that is doing the actual process of learning new information. Like, what is that person saying to you on the business call? What problem are you solving? They're bringing through new information and you are processing, learning that new information. And you need all your attention and focus on that content so that you can then link it to the existing network that's related to that so that you can put two and two together to get the answer. Okay, so that is that process of learning has to be done one thing at a time. So now the driving's okay because you've got it on an unconscious level and you're driving. It's when you have that third disruption or that fourth disruption where kids are fighting or someone asks you a question or something like that that takes you away from that very focused task. So our conscious attention system does not have the capacity to do a bunch of important demanding tasks at once. Let me stress again, the conscious, okay? Our non-conscious, on the other hand, is way faster than the conscious mind and goes way beyond multitasking, as I've said, into synonymous processing, enables us to talk and drive a car and talk to friends and so on, okay? So this is why many scientists, like I started off saying, multitasking is a myth. What we generally are doing when we think we are multitasking is we're actually switching between tasks, that open-close, open-close thing in a very either efficient way, where it's open-close, 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 or inefficient way, open, 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 in a big scattered mess. So the research is out. When you are trying to multitask on a conscious level, your memory will be affected and your functioning, your cognitive functioning will be affected. If you keep that pattern up, it creates a lot of open-ended mess inside the inside the mind and the brain and the body. And if you keep that as a pattern, it will make you feel stress and anxiety. And if you keep that as a pattern and more things of life come on and you, that's how you kind of handle life, you are increasing the vulnerability of your brain and your body. So that's a pattern that you always do. That's something that you need to change and address. And you can do a 63-day cycle to see Am I multitasking? Is this the reason why I'm so burnt out? Because so many people are talking about being burnt out. And I honestly think a lot of that burnout has come from a mismanagement of mind that has led, this multi, trying to multitask is a mismanagement of mind that has led, led to this feeling of burnout, overwhelm, and increasing levels of anxiety and depression. Not the only reason, but a very large contributor, which takes me to the second part of that question, which is multi-connectedness, our ability to stay so connected in today's technological age. Now, it's amazing because as humans, we love deep, meaningful connection. We like to be part of things. And so I think it's a fantastic thing. It just needs to be managed because sometimes you do need a switch off. Like sometimes someone sends you a text and you, you know, you, you know, you want to respond, but you know, if you respond now in this moment, you are going to be that connectedness that's going to happen. There's going to be a conversation. And as much as you love that person and you get excited about connecting with them in that moment, you're exhausted. So you need to pull back, make that little bit of space, create that boundary, whatever language you want to use and disconnect for a moment and do whatever it is that you need to do and decide when you want to 
respond to that text. And I did a podcast recently on when is it okay to tell to ask someone or to tell send a text to someone or communicate with someone about requiring space. And we need to do that. Otherwise connectedness can can go you know can be can move into the into a negative kind of thing. Mean, meanwhile we love to be connected. So you know ma- manage the connectedness in a way that works for you. There aren't rules. There isn't a recipe. It's very much around your you, your life and your context and what you need and what works for you in that moment. So the more self-regulated you become, the more you get multitasking under con- trying to multitask under control, the more tuned in you'll be to how much connectedness you can handle in any one moment and the more disciplined you'll become about controlling that connectedness. So if those are two things that are big issues in your life, I strongly recommend you do a neurocycle. And as you know, I teach you the neurocycle on this podcast. In my books, my latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, so much detailed information on how to do the neurocycle, which is a system for how you get your how you get your messy mind listening to that wise mind and rewiring your brain in the right time frames. A lot of the time, we just don't spend enough time re- re- rewiring. So we, we do a little neurocycle for a few days or we try and get this under control for a few days, but we don't consistently do it for 63. So we don't rewire, we don't put it in an unconscious. So it continues being a problem in our life. You want something not to be a problem in your life, you need to go for the right amount of time in terms of wiring the brain. Seeds Daily Symbiotic is a pre- and probiotic two-in-one capsule that supports your gut health, skin, health, and so much more. There are 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains, the first of its kind, not to mention they're sustainably delivered every month. In your first purchase, you'll get a glass jar that is infinitely refillable. Your monthly refills are delivered in compostable, biodegradable, and recyclable packaging. After taking seed for a couple of months, my body feels great. Seed is whole body experience as it supports ease of bloating and healthy regularity, but it also supports heart health and smooth, clear skin. Get 15% of your first month's supply of Seed's daily symbiotic by visiting seed.com forward slash Dr. Leaf or by using the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. The next one was also a good one. How do you reprogram the brain, which is basically rewiring the brain in the face of so many toxic stimuli without the risk of going back to a previous state of negative thoughts and mental overload? And I like that question because this is a really good you know, mind management question. Okay, so how do we, first of all, how do we reprogram or rewire our brain? I think you know the answer, with your mind, with your messy mind, listening to your wise mind standing back and observing yourself, all the stuff I've laboriously explained already in this in this podcast. So we use our mind to change and reprogram the brain. Mind management, however, is a lifestyle. And that's what I, why I wanted to stress and answer this question. What I teach is not a quick fix. If you're looking for quick fixes, you have definitely come to the wrong place. It is not five little quick steps to change your life forever. It is a lifestyle of using this mind-brain process in, and developing a healthy relationship between the mind, brain, and the body to drive the neuroplasticity over your lifetime. And the more you do it, the more resilience you have. So the more you are ready for the next struggle, which is unique in itself. Okay. So my research and clinical experience, which is extensive over the last 38 years, has shown that to prevent going backwards into previous states of toxic and mental overload, we need to get into mind management routines. So I'm all about mind management routines. 
So I've talked about on this podcast, you can search. I'm not sure which number it is. I talked about my daily routine. I'm going to do it again. In this book, chapter, the last chapter, I give you my daily routine that honestly, once you hand, you can, you can adjust it to suit yourself, but it gives you a good broad overview of how you can train yourself to become very routine driven when it comes to managing your mind. Because when your mind is not in a mind management's not in a good routine, you're going to be very erratic about how you apply the principles of mind management, and then you're going to live more in a messy mind than you are in a managed mind. And that has all the consequences that I have spoken about extensively on this podcast, in my book, I talk about it here, and on my app. So if you prefer to be helped, I don't have my app little thingy here, but I have an app called Neurocycle, same name as Zinner, this concept, and the app basically... I walk you through, so with audio and with video and a little bit of text, I walk you through 63 days. And so if you want to work on not multitasking or you're over you're overconnecting with people and you don't know how to create boundaries and all that, whatever the main problem is, work on one problem for 63 days and I, and I hold your hand through the NeuroCycle. And in the NeuroCycle app, there's also decompression activities and there's little tips to motivate you and things like that. So there's some great help in that. So there's, there's, diff- there's different different ways that you can get into this system. Okay, so how does a better organization of the mind go to the root of illnesses and anxiety and depression, which affect an increasingly sizable portion of the world's population? Okay, so intuitively, and, and I've said this constantly, but it bears repeating, our conscious thoughts have the power to affect our actions, okay? That is the same as what I said in the beginning, the pattern of our brain and our body follow the pattern of the mind. So this is another way of saying that, and that is that our conscious thoughts have the power to affect our actions, what we say and what we do, which then obviously is going to then impact our emotions, how our body feels, and our perspective. So our conscious thoughts, and those conscious thoughts are driven either by the wisdom of the unconscious mind or driven by a trigger response to toxic responses in our unconscious mind. So everything you say and do comes from a thought, and you've seen my thought trees, and that thought's either healthy or toxic, okay? And basically, the conscious thought that you're having has the power to affect what you, your action, what you say and what you do, how you show up, that email, that conversation, that meeting, that discussion with your husband, with your kids, handling that situation, whatever. So the conscious thought controls that. That conscious thought is whatever's up, okay? And it's coming, it's linked, they're never alone. They're always tied to something that they associated to. So there's other thoughts in your unconscious that these are associated to. So when this comes up, it pulls up. Maybe toxic, maybe other healthy. If it's healthy, you're fine. You, whatever you're doing is going to be no problem. But if it's toxic, whatever you're doing, we're saying, is not going to be great. So your conscious thoughts are driving those actions. Okay? And those conscious thoughts are being driven by the thoughts that are in your brain and unconscious mind. So by self-regulating, you can kind of work out what's going on there. Okay? So let me give you an example. So I was really tired last night, which I am always at night because my days are so full, and I just felt like completely switching off and watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's what I'm watching at the moment. I love that show. It's hilarious. And I just wanted to switch off. It had really been a full day, and my husband very sweetly, very gently just wanted you to discuss some more about the business meeting, the four-hour business meeting that we'd had in the morning. I didn't feel like discussing it. He was quite valid in the question he asked, but I didn't feel like discussing it. So my reaction was not very 
healthy. It was kind of reactive, toxic, and I got really irritated and said, I just want to, I, and I snapped, I just want to have a break. What I could have, and see what happened there was that my reaction was toxic. So my conscious thought, as my husband asked me, my conscious thought was, that came up, it was a great meeting, it was a very valid question, all that stuff. But because I was tired, this dragged up, I'm tired, I don't want to talk about work, and I was triggered, and a previous sort of situation that maybe I hadn't ever resolved popped up, and that's how I reacted. So I caught it, apologized, my husband apologized, I watched my marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and we discussed it this morning. So I did a whole little neurocycle, gather, awareness, reflect, etc., and went through it and solved that problem in a moment. So by using the neurocycle consistently for the big stuff, I can use it quickly in the small stuff. So this is a really excellent way of managing your mind correctly. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this helped you. And I know that you're going to be managing your mind more and more. And let me know how this is working for you. And send me questions. As you can see, I love answering questions. Answering questions is an amazing way of getting this stuff into detailed ways into your hands. So send me your questions. I love answering them and I will answer them. Thanks so much. I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.